No, we don't do that. Well, okay. I'm Eric Newman. I'm uh, one of the producers. I'm Brian Unkless. I'm another producer. Woo! Uh, David Ayer, director. Uh, Will Smith, Libra. I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> and uh, I'm, uh, I'm around if you're around. <laughs> I'm just jaw-edged in and I'm an actor in this thing. <laughs> Uh, I'm Noomi Rapaz. I'm I'm an actress. I'm Lucy Fry, and I am an actor. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm Anika Ramirez, and I'm an actor. Yes. I have a question for Will. At Cannes, you said something really beautiful about how this generation watches movies both on Netflix and in theaters. Mm -hmm. And I think, as much as there might be a knee-jerk reaction to something new. <laughs> there, there can also be a tendency for people to become so obsessed with something new they abandon the old ways. So yeah. how do you see watching movies on Netflix and in theaters evolving side by side? Yeah, well, I just, I, uh, uh, Edgar and I were talking about it earlier, and, you know, I have a 16-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 25-year-old at, at home. So uh, their, their viewing habits are uh, almost anthropological, you know, it's a great study to be able to see how they still go to the movies on Friday and Saturday night and they watch Netflix all week, you know, so it's two completely different experiences. Um, but it, it's definitely a different experience. It's, you know, I don't think anyone's trying to say that it's an identical experience. I was, I was talking earlier. Um, you know, I was on the, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so people would see me on the street, and it was like, Will, Will, Will. And then Independence Day came out. And that Monday after Independence Day came out was the first time that anybody referred to me as Mr. Smith, right? So there's definitely something about that big screen that, that penetrates people in a very different kind of way. Um, but it, it, it's, a, it's a different medium that I think net-net, uh, uh, you get it, see, net-net, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's li almost like a pun, right? It's, but, but, not, but not, but not, right, like net. Neighborhood of. Neighborhood, the neighborhood is like punish. You get it? You yeah. <laughs> is this thing on? But but it's also like um, a, be a beautiful. <laughs> no, but it's a be my son um, invites his friends over and they watch films like on our projector on the wall. Netflix. He watches Netflix almost every day. But there was like a friend of his that didn't they that didn't have money to go to the cinema and he was like, oh, look, we're gonna watch a Netflix film instead. Yeah, and he invited all his friends and then everyone can see it together. So it's like. As you say, it opens up opportunities, but um, it's not the same. Yeah, no, it's, very, it's, it's very different. I'm sure it was the same kind of vibe um, when the transition happened from theater acting where you went to go see a play and then someone decided they were going to film it and put it together and move it to uh, a movie theater. You know, I'm sure that the, you know, the purists had that same kind of feeling, but it's, it's different. It's, it's not the same thing. It's, it's something different. It's a new, uh, almost a new art form. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple. This, this movie, 
I got to make in, in a way and at a level that otherwise I may not have been able to make. And this was shot uh, you know, with an Alexa 65, which is a state-of-the-art large format camera. I mean, they're shooting you know, Star Wars with these cameras. It was shot with you know, you know, the Lawrence of Arabia lens sets, you know, CinemaScope lenses, just beautiful old school glass. Uh, everything technological about this is as if we had done a major feature. For me, the only real difference is just there was a lot more freedom of creativity. And, and it's less about how we're going to see this and more about like, just having another cool place as a filmmaker to go make movies. A question for, for any of you who want to take it, but specifically to Joel, because you're playing an orc in this story. This story is a real-world story to some extent with very fantastical elements. Where, where, does the, where do the real and the fantasy sit in relation to each other tonally? And how do you either... Where does this fall on either side of the line, or how do you navigate the line of playing it real, or, but playing it in a real environment that obviously plays with some very fantastical story elements? Uh, it was very interesting... Uh, <coughs> There's, there's a lot of sort of movies that deal with fantasy or, or, or mashup of reality and fantasy, and a lot of them deal with uh, like a, a, an alien invasion in the sense that the, the world of the film is like there's been a sudden change. And, and what's interesting about this, and, and I reference District 9, because it was a film where the, the, there was a, a, a different kind of dynamic of society that had settled well before the movie, the first frame of the movie. And that, there's something about this movie that is akin to that. It's like, all right, there's, it's, it's real world <clears throat> LA, and you imagine that extends to the rest of the world too, and that all the characters of, or a lot of the characters of The Lord of the Rings, all the types of characters, the elves, the orcs, uh, they're all living in society, and society has settled just so, and it, it settled with a lot of cracks and the tectonic plates haven't quite worked themselves out. There's a lot of racism, there's a lot of issues. Uh, society isn't exactly perfect. And the orcs fall because they were the servants of the Dark Lord 2,000 years ago. They're still paying for that. And I'm the first orc that's been allowed into the LAPD under a diversity program. And I'm, I'm really paying for that. And the elves um, look down at the orcs like they are slaves that were supposed to work for us and then they break, yeah. broke up. The elves are like not all elves. The elves are like people <laughs> who rule Beverly Hills. The, the elves are ones. like the one percenters. <laughs> Some and, and elves. And what was interesting is leading into it, playing an, an orc, I was like, all oh, right, I'm going to look like this sort of beast. I should play it in some sort of animalistic way. And then reading the script that, that uh, Max had, had written and that David had tricked up as well is that he desperately wanted to be a human being. Spent his whole life going to a human school, cut his teeth so that he could look more human and, and, and was studying what it was like to be a human being. So I thought I was going in this direction to play some animalistic version of, of an animal and instead I looked like an animal and I was desperately trying to be the most conservative human being that I could be and it was a great challenge. Yeah. I, I think, uh, we'll go, please. No, no, no. No, no, please, thank you. Okay. I, I think and what the, the actors are talking about, which is, speaks to a larger commitment to the movie you know, for authenticity. This is a drama that happens to be set in a world where there is a, you know, a huge difference, but it is our world. It should feel like our world. David took great pain, went to great pains to make it look like our world, and we shot in Los Angeles. 
always at night, which was difficult, very difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, fun yeah. for some of us. Fun, but for, for producers. For those of yeah, us that we were sitting behind the monitor. Yeah, it was good. Well, I don't, when yeah. we weren't there, we were at restaurants nearby. It was really good food and stuff. But no, the, the commitment to this is, this is real, and, and it really shows in these unbelievable performances by our, uh, our cast. What Joel was saying, I'm sorry, the, the idea, it, it was spectacular for me as a, an African-American playing a police officer that was racist against the first orc on the force. It's like the flip of, of those social concepts. And, you know, it's like, you know, as a, as a black dude, you just don't get a, a, a lot of movies where you're the racist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, really great. Hey, man, I don't want no orc in my car. You know? <laughs> it was, you just never get to say that. <laughs> uh, David? Uh, David, you said that you might not have been able to get this movie made at a studio. Walk me through what the alternate version, the alternate universe version of Bright might have looked like. Had you done that, would it have had to be compromised when it comes to budget? Or were there certain creative things that you could have only done at Netflix? Objection, Your Honor. I'm not going to have my client answer that question. <laughs> I plead to the fifth <laughs> I'll allow it. it it's, uh, <laughs> look, look, it's hard to quantify because I think every movie is a journey. A movie always takes the form it's going to take ultimately. You know, So it's a little hard to speak for uh, what, what could have been. Um, but. I can say that this is the movie that should have been. You know, I got all the resources I need. I got to shoot in Los Angeles. We weren't chasing a rebate. We weren't shooting Atlanta for Los Angeles. Um, we got, you know, the equipment. We were able to shoot, um, you know, practical uh, stunts, you know, ridiculously complex shots. Uh, and, and as a filmmaker, to spend more time working on the creative than working on the spreadsheet that supports the film is, is, is a true pleasure. And I think that changes how you come at the movie and your energy, and it also changes you know, how, the, how the cast comes at the movie yeah. because they feel that freedom. Rating probably would have been different, for yeah. sure. Rating yeah. for sure. For sure, yeah. And this is a rated R movie, and it, it wouldn't have been at a studio likely. Yeah. A lot of orc nudity. Well, a yeah. lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once, you old, once you go orc, you never go back. <laughs> and a lot of blood. <laughs> Uh, a question for Will Smith. <laughs> uh, you said during the panel that you, you were surprised by the, the freedom you have with Netflix. I'm sorry, hold on. There's music playing. Can yeah, someone check is that a see? phone ringing or something? It's like, it's, it's nice. It's kind of uh, jazzy. It, oh, it's in here? It's, it's in Muzak. here? Muzak. Okay, it's from, okay. Well, I can't work like this. <laughs> so, so you said you were surprised by the, the freedom you have with Netflix. Would you say you, you don't have the same freedom with the other studios? No, I mean, it's just, it's just in, in this case, I just had you know, a real sense that I was making something different, something special. I mean, I got, I got to make the movie I wanted to make. And, and it's, just, it's nice to be, as a creative person, in a trusting environment. So, I mean, Bright really is, you know, I think, a unique film in that it's such a specific voice and it's such a new thing and, and yet it's done at such a large scale. Um, you know, I think people are really going to be surprised to see a film of this magnitude in this format. I think, I think what the major difference is, is the, the Netflix business model is different in a way when it, because it's subscription based, what, what gets created is that 
their risk profile is different. So Netflix can make a hard rated R film for $170 million, right? So studios can't do that. And if the executive wants to be at work on Monday, like, you know, they, they can't, they, the risk profile, if they're gonna spend $170 million, no, I'm not saying that's what this one was. No, that, well, number, yeah. that number was just in my head. Just number. I'm just, I, I think I'm <laughs> suggesting the next movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, when you make a movie that expensive, you have to broaden the audience, which means that you, you have to be PG-13. Right, so it, it, it is a huge decision where you make a, a film of that magnitude based on the, the, biz, the risk profile. So at Netflix, based on the, 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 the subscription, they can make anything for any number that they feel like their, fan, that their you know, base is going to want, want to see. So as an artist, it's free in that way. It's just a lot of little ways that you get to be creative, that gets slightly just confined when everybody's jobs are on the line for the it's success like less, of the three less days. Less middle hands as well. It feels like if Netflix says yes, that is a yes, and then you are you can create in that you have a space to create in yeah. less yeah. questions they have like such on a the smart, road. Smart team too. Yeah. I mean, it's Ted Sarandos, and Scott Stuber, and Bowen. I mean, they're really yeah. top notch, and they're supportive and confident, and allow you to do your job. And because they work off of specific data, they know ahead of time with the director of, of Suicide Squad and with me at this point in my career, and they, you know, they go through and they have numbers on everybody. They add the numbers up and they say, yes, it works. They go and they know who's going to buy the movie even before you shoot it, right? So it's a completely different basis of how they work that the trickle down is that between action and cut, we get to do whatever we want. Yes, uh, my question is for Mr. Ayer. You've depicted Los Angeles a few times on film. I was wondering, were there any parts of the city you finally got to explore, and was there anything new you wanted to say about LA? It, it's interesting because I think the last time I shot in LA, uh, I don't know if it was eight years ago, it's hard to say, but the city has changed so much. Uh, it, it's absolutely transformed. And, and you take like the warehouse district downtown, which used to be where you could shoot, you could do anything, and you should do machine guns and, and what, what have you, is now a very high-end arts loft district. Um, even Skid Row is developing. Uh, even you know the classic you know South LA neighborhoods have evolved because there's been so much investment and so much development. So the old LA is really disappearing. My joke with the uh, production designers, how this film is actually going to become an you know, architectural reference of the city because there were locations where we were shooting. And as we're shooting, they're pulling buildings down. They're pulling things down around our location. And we're like, OK, I hope we can shoot this scene out before that building's gone. So it, it's as, you know, LA's my city. I love LA. It, it's, I'm starting to have to rethink what, what is my city and what does it look like. Yeah, I mean, for me being from Australia, it was kind of the first time that I'd explored LA and downtown LA and it was so exciting because it was like at night time, it did night shoots the whole way through and 
um, it would be like all the magical creatures would kind of come out of the alleyways and then there would be like lizard people going through the garbage bins with like these big heads and like these sort of cloaks and it kind of turned downtown LA into this magical gritty world and but also David is I don't know how you found find those locations like I've never seen places <laughs> yeah. like that and um it was just he was arrested at yeah. probably yeah. 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 I think because he knows them he knows them he knows them yeah. everything's sealed yeah the, the, the thing is that he knows uh, as, as any you know great great artist and director and visionary he he knows his subject very well and he knows his world very well he uh, if I may say, I think, David, you cannot, as any great artist, escape from your obsessions. And, and clearly, that's a world that he knows very well. So when I first heard about David wanting to, to tell a story that was based in downtown LA, in East LA, but in a parallel universe, in a world that was going to be unique, I knew this guy is going to pull it off because he knows that world very well. I, I grew yeah. up in Iceland, and uh, they believe in elves and uh, fairies and all that. So it's kind of my world merged into your world. <laughs> it's like downtown LA, hard and harsh. That's funny, I grew, I grew up in Iceland too. Where, where, where'd you grow up at? <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Venezuela and we believe in everything. <laughs> so, and, 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 and David understands that world very well as well. You know, he speaks flawless Spanish. I, I, I told during the panel that, that he used to direct me in Spanish just to, you know, also make the others uncomfortable. And, <laughs> and that's an energy and it did. that, uh, and it did. And yeah, that's an energy that, that, that we all absorb to, 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 to just pull something out of ourselves. And that's, it's great, it's a, it's a huge movie, it's a, it's a big movie, it's a big action film, but honestly, the way we speak about it, it felt like we just did an indie movie and then we yeah, are totally. in, a, you know, in a movie that, that would go to festivals and that's how we shot it, so it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great experiment, and I think that without Netflix and, as you said, the the, the business model and also the the vision that they have, then they, when we would have been able to do it. And it's great to be a witness of such a profound shift in culture right now. I mean, but how, we were like yeah. searching through the whole movie. It felt like we were we found the movie um, as we were going. Like the way David works, he's like exploring things every day and like. Mm -hmm constantly open and, and finding solutions on the spot, which becomes very creative and very fun and playful, even if it's this big, massive yeah. ship behind us. It I mean, feels I'd, very intimate. I'd write scenes and, and hand them to him on the day. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I mean, you probably shouldn't do that so much no more, but <laughs> you, you did it a lot. <laughs> we love you, David. Hey, this question's for Will. Um, hey. Will, you mentioned uh, The Fresh Prince, and a lot of people are comparing your look in this movie to when you pretended to be Ashley's dad on Fresh Prince. Also, That um, damn mustache. David, that's this guy with the mustache. I hated that mustache. It was so bad. Also, also um, you posted a bungee jumping video, and I don't know if you saw, but a lot of fans isolated like one moment where they said you reminded them Looked of like Uncle, Uncle Phil. Phil. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to know, um, yeah, if you knew about those and what you think about fans making those connections even today. No, I it's, it is such a new world. Like, I'm, I released my, my first record in 86, you know, so I'm over 30 years in the, in the business. I've seen, you know, my, my first album, there were no CDs. Like, 
So it's, it wasn't until my second album that they came out with these hot little discs called CDs, <laughs> you know? So that I'm seeing that transition of um, essentially the fans being more and more involved in the creative process, you know, it, in, in terms of in terms of movie stardom, it's a it's a huge difference. It's like you you almost um, can't make new movie stars anymore, right? It's like because there's a, there's a certain amount of of privacy and there was a certain amount of distance that you had from the audience, and only on July Fourth did you have did you have access so that amount of access created this bigger than life kind of thing but in the shift into this new world it's almost like a a friendship like with, with the fans the relationship is you know less like the time of madonna michael jackson you know when you could make you know the tom cruise these gigantic figures because you can't create that anymore the shift is to we're best friends and then that's like with the comments and with those pictures and all like I, that i love um trying to make that shift and make that transition into the 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 new demands of the 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 fans in the in this business Um, this is for Will and David. So Christopher Nolan recently said that um, Netflix's film strategy was mindless. He said he would refuse to work with them. Wonder what your reaction is to that. Well, I think Mr. Nolan's a wonderful director, and I will not say anything that would keep me from being in his next movie. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm dying to act in a Nolan film, so I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> yeah, and I just I don't like your attitude about Mr. Nolan. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a question. Uh, I, I was wondering, because this is a universe, I mean, like, what, uh, it looks like it could have the potential to be a franchise, and I was wondering, what would it take for it to become a franchise, and how do you envisage a franchise on something like Netflix working that may be different from uh, Movie, Movies are movies, and this is a movie, and if, if, if we do a sequel, uh, we're going to tell more of the story, and then maybe we'll tell more of the story after that. I mean, that's what's so great about... Uh, this this universe that Max Land has created is it lends itself to so much and and our discovery with the film and with audiences at their is that they're very hungry to know more what's the mythology what's the history how do these different races interplay with each other what's the history of the orcs so it, it, and you know I look forward to the opportunity developable is a good word yeah, I like that, that shit up right the now. two B's and yeah, the developable yeah. developable yeah. I, like, um, I don't want to ignore your your question though no, but but no I think I think that that um, you know there there are certain things that you you want to see on uh, a big screen you know it's like uh, I remember the Christmas that Avatar came out and our entire family, you know, rushed out on Christmas Day to go with the, the glasses and all of that, you know. So there's, a, there's an experience and, you know, specifically the type of films that, that uh, Chris makes, like you wanna, you wanna see them in, in that space. It's like the venue is a part of, of the, the experience. 
Yeah, this question is for Will as well as David. So you had mentioned, Will, earlier that it was a bit jarring for you playing a black officer that's mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, depicting these racist attitudes towards orcs. Mm -hmm. um, will we see any sort of like state-sanctioned like violence that you see police officers um, doing right now in the current state of our uh, politics? Do you, will we see those kind of dynamics played between law enforcement and also the orcs and the supernatural creatures on the show? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, David, David uh, isn't, isn't um, let's say, he doesn't find a necessity to be delicate with those issues. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but there, there you know, there, this, this, is, this is a, uh, uh, a film that is, is about enjoyment and, and entertainment and those, those, uh, undercurrents and under undertones of the film are, you know, specifically for people to be able to think about it, not to make any judgment about it. It's like we're showing it, we're dis we're displaying the look and the feel. And there's a, you know, there's a great scene um, where where we're sitting with. And we're, we're out. We're looking at a. Um, the police are coming, and something has happened with a with an orc, and the police are trying to subdue the orc. And my character is sitting specifically with with Joel's character while the police are subduing the orc. And I ask him. I say, I I need to know. Are you a cop first or an orc first? And the backdrop of the scene is the cops taking down this orc. So it's a really it's, it's rugged and it's, you know, it's powerful and it was really bizarre for me to be on the other side of that. And we, you know, we did, we did ride-alongs with LAPD and with the sheriffs and is, you know, as an African-American, it was really a, a different perspective for me to be in the back of the cars riding around with police officers in Los Angeles in, in you know, predominantly, uh, black and Hispanic neighborhoods and seeing the complexities from the, the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it, it's a movie and it's a great story and it's supposed to entertain. Uh, some, you know, uh, there's people out there, I think, whose minds are closed and, and they don't want to hear or see certain things. And my hope is that through, you know, the allegories and, and you know, using these sort of metaphors about life that maybe somebody who wouldn't be receptive or understand what's going on in somebody else's heart may open their eyes a little bit. And that's, I think, the best we can hope. Um, actually, this is gonna follow up on the question that was asked. Um, I mean, obviously these issues are very relevant in, in the culture and, and, you know, kind of merging them with sci-fi is, is a great way to present it. But I think there's also a certain amount of delicate balance that has to be made between bringing awareness and putting that in the forefront and then also still um, not having so much of it that it feels so heavy-handed right. that you distract from the audience. So what's the thought process or was there even times throughout the film where you had to go back and say, okay, we need to take another look at this because this may not fly or this may be too much or this may be not enough? I think, I think every filmmaker needs a compass. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in South LA. I saw violence on both sides. Uh, I mean, I've lived it. Um, and, and, and it's still out there. Our children are still being eaten. Um, 
you know, and there, there's people, you know, we only have one heart. How do you live in this world with two hearts where on one side, you know, you belong to the group that you belong and you have the people that you belong to and you want to join society and how do you change your heart to join a society that doesn't want you to join? And, and I've seen all these things and, and, and you know, that's it's what also I like it feels like about. it feels like David your view on the world is like it's not so black and white like what is good and what is bad what is evil right. what is bright and what is dark you know it mm -hmm. feels like you have a very um, kind of open and and for me um, your your view on people and, and the world is very um, it's very wide and wise and we were talking about like he's I'm I'm the villain and I'm you know you can you can say that my actions are very um, cruel and, and violent, but in, in, my, in my head, in my heart, I'm doing something good. I want to create a better space, a better, a better world. And he's, on the other side, he's a good elf, but not so good. So it's like everything is like we all have a lot of layers, which I... <laughs> I have very pointy ears. <laughs> no, but that's something, that's something like in, in all your films, it's like good and bad doesn't really exist. It's right. way more complicated. You're too extreme to be yeah. true, to be valid. It's, it's very complex and, and, you know, it's issues of, of family and child rearing and, and, and substance abuse and, and, and family histories What's of violence and PTSD. It's so surreal. And, like, Kenny G is all over us right now. It's like... I'm sure David's behind it. You know, people, we're complex and, and, but at the end of the day, like, we're all the same, you know? So yeah. let's just live together. And one day we can do something really fucking bad and next day we do something good. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I just basically, Joel, I want to know what is the one thing we should know about an orc? And actually, what's the one thing we should it's know about being an fuck. elk? sexy as fuck. Can you do the look without... I can't. <laughs> if you're willing to sit around and be patient and, and deal with three hours of makeup, I could give you the look. Uh, look, there's a couple of beautiful things about orcs. They... they uh, you know, they don't understand sarcasm or irony or humour. Mm -hmm. And they're very... Well, my orc is very honest. And also, uh, if you lie, I might not understand it in your inflection, but I'll smell it on you. <laughs> and that's what makes me qualified to be a cop. I can't, like, I can't take you into an interrogation room and you're like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And the cop's like, he's lying. I smell it on you. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a great, lovely, honest person that you can trust, even though I don't look so pretty. <laughs> and in makeup either. <laughs> Oh, wow. One of my favorite things was when we were in rehearsals and we were sitting at the back of the dojo and David was, was kind of like talking us through what it was like to be an elf. And he was like, it's kind of like you're in a different state of mind. You're in a different realm to everyone else. And he was like, look at that sword. Like, what's that sword telling you? If the sword was talking to you right now, like, what's it saying? So it's like they're taking in the objects, like they see through things and into things and things that people can't normally see. But they're kind of so wide awake. It's like they have like sec six senses like wide awake at the same time. So they take in everything, they smell, but the eyes and they hear, like they have everything. So they, you know, it's, it's hard to escape. It's hard to, to hide we're from an elf. On, <laughs> we're looking on a never ending trip. Yeah. We're tripping all the time. Yeah. <laughs>
and we, an, like our senses were completely heightened all the we time. Couldn't, we couldn't hear, we couldn't see. We had elf ears, contact lenses, teeth, high heels, a suit that I couldn't yeah. move. But from an orc's perspective, the elves are very attractive, very, very well dressed. Yes. Yeah. My character and they're the aspirational a... ones. They, they're the ones living in Beverly Hills. Well, you know, better than that. Totally. Yeah. On top of the world. My character had a thing with an elf once. And it didn't work out, you know, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, whew, I'll Olive. never forget Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, get, get him out of there. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.